0: Every live event is filled with moments of excitement. LiveSource is a new game-changing app that allows you to create auctions instantly during these moments, as the crowd's excitement is at a fevered pitch. Imagine, after spectacular moments, you could remove any item from the field of play and place it into a live auction in less than a minute while the game is still on. Imagine the fans in attendance bidding on and winning one-of-a-kind memorabilia and experiences from that event while the event is still going on. Live Source handles the heavy lifting so that there are no limits on what can be sold or when it can be sold. Auctions can be created in less than 60 seconds, at which time the app immediately notifies fans to start bidding, determines the winning bidder, and arranges payment and delivery moments later. Excite your audience with highly shareable moments. Motivate more fans to attend your event, increase revenue. With LiveSource, it's as easy as one, two, three.
1: Well, we want to thank Live Source for partnering with The Andrew Haynes Show. It, they've been a great partner over the last uh, two months. So I'm um, excited to have them on board and, and uh, really excited for this guest today because, you know, usually it's front office people and sports teams. And so now we're getting into uh, another entrepreneur, um, tech, you know, startups. Um, so it's going to be fun. All, all the things that I love. So. I've got the CEO of PlayOn, uh, Sally and Reese. How are you?
2: I'm pretty good. Thanks, Andrew.
1: Well, thanks for joining me. I'm kind of excited to hear your story and 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 learn more about your journey. So well,
2: what can I tell you?
1: Well, let's let's start <laughs> off with where where did you grow up? Like you know, and and yeah. when did you kind of get that bug for business?
2: Well, uh, I actually grew up in British Columbia, Canada. Um, and, uh, uh, the bug for entrepreneurship, my sister will actually probably claim that it was when I was 16 and I could drive and I started a pool cleaning company and I hired her to do all the work.
1: (laughs) Smart, (laughs) smart.
2: I paid her well. Um, She was, she was the best employee ever, but that, you know, I've always been somebody that's like, see a, see a, a problem, see an opportunity but I did. I grew up in Northern Canada. Um, normal upbringing went to local high school. I was a multi-sport athlete. I played basketball probably as my key sport. Um, but I also, uh, played volleyball and I did track and field and soccer and baseball and all those great things that happen when you're a youngster. Um, went to the university of Victoria where I got my, uh, bachelor of arts in political science and economics. And when I graduated, I actually went overseas. Um, I started working in Australia, and I also spent three years in Japan, and I spent a year in France. Most of that time, I was working in investment banking. But when my real career started, actually, I was living here in Silicon Valley. Um, I was working doing some research at Stanford University, and but I, um, I started getting involved with this group of people or these two guys who had this idea of doing a home networking device. And, and that actually brought me to being on the founding team of TiVo. Um, the, the, I guess you can call it the pioneering digital video recorder company. Um, Mm -hmm. and Mike and Jim, had this idea of doing home networking device, which ended up being a digital video recording as the base, um, idea that really moved the company. And so we built that up and took it public. And, You know, for the last 25 years, that's what I've been doing. I've been working with startups, scientists and uh, engineers who have ideas. Um, I've been on five successful startup companies. Um, I think, you know, like TiVo actually went public in 1999, but then it just actually in 2016 got acquired for $1.1 billion, um, which is a nice little return.
1: So when what back then that your first kind of jump into being on that founding team like in a startup, like what was going through your head in that like were you like kind of nervous were you like all one hundred percent bought in like like we're gonna make this thing huge?
2: No, actually, I'm a doer. I'm I'm much more task oriented than that. Um, I will put all of the visionary on Jim and Mike. I mean, I was just getting things done you know, um, I think my nickname, they actually called me Nike, uh, in the office. Cause I just got, excuse my language, stuff done. <laughs> I was going <laughs> to swear there, but I've decided not to, that's um, right. that's a lot of time, you know, uh, that's what a lot of athletes do. We just get stuff done no matter what our ob- obstacles are. And I would actually say that my personality is clearly that of an, of an athlete. You just, Here's the challenge, you know, here's what you're going to have to do to get it done and just go get it done. Don't whine about it. And that's what I've done.
1: Is that, does like the competition kind of, you know, drive some of that,
2: you know, Sorry, what, being an that- athlete?
1: Like, like the competition, you know, being a
2: competitor. Yeah. You know, being a competitor, it's not about, to me, it's never about beating the other team. It's well, it has to be to, to, for the win loss, but uh, it's actually about just being my, doing my best. And I don't even really think about it when I'm doing it. I just, it's a habit to just really apply yourself at all times as best you can. And just, again, you got a problem, you know, that you're going to have to work hard to get a solution. And that's actually something that a lot of people don't realize about startups is that they don't happen overnight. They, they usually take a lot of hard work and people just don't like all of a sudden become You know, like very successful just overnight. It's a lot of hard work.
1: So what was it like in the early stages of that first startup?
2: Uh, With TiVo? Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) We worked out of Mike's um, guest house, which was kind of fun (laughs) uh, here in Silicon Valley. Um, A lot of it was, again, you need people that can just take the ball and run with it. And, and people that don't need to be told what to do. So our first 10 people that we hired um, had to get, you know, they had their marching orders and they had to understand that our job was to create a product that would, uh, that would sell. And so that first group didn't have to be like, well, let's have a meeting and everybody talk about, you know, what everybody is else is doing. Neat. It was, it was just like, we had a million things going on at a million times a day. And the other thing was, is that nobody, everybody had to um, help each other. There was no hierarchy in a startup. And while we all really respected the roles that our executives like Mike and Jim played, um, everybody had to take responsibility for everything. Whether that was answering the front door, going to get lunch, or writing up a business plan or whatever it was going to be. I mean, it was everybody all hands on deck all the time.
1: Yeah. That's, that's what I like though. It's, you know, the creativity and, you know, I think I always talk about one of the biggest um, skills that I think I have is problem solving, which is crucial (laughs) in in startups. I'm I'm sure there was many things that you guys had to, had to, you know, fight through and, and solve. So
2: Yeah. You know, there's, there's a, I I jokingly, I think one of the guys, he was um, uh, a guy who worked in the engineering team. He once quoted, I don't know who it's from, but he said, you know, there's three types of people. There's people that um, stand around and go like, what's happening. Right. And there's people that go, Oh, look, that happened. And then there's (laughs) people that are making it happen. Right. And I think when you find a really successful startup, it's because there's a lot of people just making things happen. They're not being told what to do, they're just making it happen.
1: Yeah. Is that like what is that one of the main things that you like about that startup you know, phase of businesses? I mean, you've been involved in a handful of them. Like, what, what really attracted you to them?
2: You know, I would actually say Mike and Jim were actually uh, introduced to me because I was actually working on another company at that time, Um, another startup company. And now this is really going to date me, but this was back in the times where there was no Bluetooth or Wi-Fi. Right. But uh, Mike and Jim had been talking to some VCs about their home networking device. I was working with another company that was working on a wireless technology that would allow packages of data to be sent from one computer to another computer. And so the VCs, in their wisdom, saw that opportunity for synergy because people aren't going to rewire their house for a home networking device. That just wasn't gonna happen. So they saw that as sort of a stopper. So they had our two groups meet and that's when I met Mike and Jim and we just clicked. And they're like, you're a doer, we need you. And I'm like, wow, that's a really cool idea. Um, (laughs) And actually they did, even at that time, they talked about time shifting. Um, And uh, Mike and Jim were just like, everybody said they're rock stars, tie your ship to theirs and, and they were. So this is where, again, people matter right? Mike and Jim had the abilities to create a company. They had not only the technical skills, but they had the business skills. And so what they needed were people that could manage and technologically get things done. And that was where I came in. I was pretty junior when I came in, but I was, you know, we always joke about who was the first employee of TiVo. Well, that was me, but Only because I got my paperwork in first. But Mike and Jim really were the founders and the first people. I was just the first person to come in and help them get things done.
1: So how long did you um, work with TiVo then? I was there for
2: about three or four years. We'd gone public in 1999. So I'd been there for about two and a half years. And then once we went public, that's, you know, that's when a startup, when you start to take serious money, that's when startups change from – (laughs) <laughs> sort of flying on the seat of their pants to being really organized and bringing in people with really deep knowledge. I mean, that's something about a, somebody who starts a company is that you are really good at managing a lot of things, but only about an inch deep. And when you start to run a very well-funded company that is expected to sort of play by the rules, you need to hire people that can go a mile deep. And I recognize that. And so that's actually something that I said, you know, my time here is done. I've helped you as best I can. We've gone public. And on a side note, I was having my third child. So, wow. in so all fairness, a little busy. In all fairness, this, I don't know, behind me back here, my daughter was my third child, right? She's, by the way, growing up now. I think there's a picture above me there that shows she's a growing up young woman. Nice. But, um, yeah, you know, life happens and I was moving on. And actually, that actually offered me an opportunity. I quote unquote, retired at that stage. But um, I ended up running into people and they're like, Oh, I've got this great idea or this great technology, or I, I really want to do this. And I'm like, look, you got to focus on your, you know, your Excel spreadsheet for your budget, your budget will tell you everything. And what you really need to do is focus on your product, your customers, and your team at the very beginning. Eventually, it moves to traction and stuff like that. But at the very beginning, you need to focus those things. Because if you can't tell me who your primary customer is, not who will benefit from this, but who your primary customer is, and you can't tell me um, what they're going to buy and why, then you don't really have a business yet. You have an idea. Once you have that, then you can start to move forward. But, and by the way, so that's what I started to do. And I started to help all these other startups, friends of mine who had like, and most of them were biotech companies, which was interesting. Cause I know nothing about biotech. I, I mean, that's science. Um, but what I discovered is that it's the same template. And it's the same thing of pulling together people and just getting stuff done. So I oftentimes would say to them, I'll come in and I'll be an interim, whatever you need me to be, COO, CEO, but I'm up and out in uh, 12 to 18 months. You should be replacing me or this isn't going to go anywhere. And, you know, we had successes and I've had failures. Um, usually it has to do with people. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah. I mean, I got to tell you that not only do I do startups in corporations, but I've also done a lot of nonprofit startups. Um, Mm -hmm. I've started a charter school with some other people that had this idea that our school system wasn't meeting the needs of the kids in the region. So we started um, Summit Preparatory, which now is actually a franchise. There's, I think, nine in the Bay Area and two or three up in Washington State. So again... There's a problem what's the solution let's fix right. it let's and then of course always hire in the right people yeah. I've also um, did a nonprofit for uh, starting um, a community center because there was this rundown community center so everything has the same pattern and that you you know for me anyways it starts with an Excel spreadsheet and a budget
1: right the widgets are interchangeable
2: they're you That's know, a really good way of saying it Andrew the widgets are interchangeable
1: <laughs> the rest is uh, structured what talk um, talk about some of the other startups that you've been a, a part of that were um, successful and then even you know some of the ones that that had some trouble and, and what what caused that
2: well so um, off the top of my head uh, another really successful one was BiNA technologies this was started by, um, a really brilliant woman at a Stanford university. Um, and she's just a go getter. She wasn't a lot of time with scientists, they're really, uh, have a personality type where they're very measured. And so they often won't take risks, but this woman was, she was willing to throw everything into her efforts. Um, and I don't think this, her name was Bani Baniasadi and Nagas, um, was also a computer scientist and she developed a technology, both hardware and software that would work on genomics. And, um, you know, as with all technologies and businesses, there's a politics in the industry and she bucked it. (laughs) I love that about her. She was willing to go and say, well, I'm not doing it that way. And she really was amazing as a personality. And she, we, I helped her at the very early stages putting together a budget, a business strategy, helping her pull together teams and all those operational things that happen. But she was a star in all of that. She was the one that said, we're going to, we're going to go in this direction. Eventually, um, Roche bought them for a nice, pretty penny. Um, I've also worked with um, a company that did a blood test for um, kidney disease. Um, That was, again, another product that came out of Stanford, um, and that was with Mini Sarwal. And they actually ended up selling that technology before uh, it really got big, um, because what they wanted to be able to do is through a blood test. It was test whether or not people had smoldering kidney disease, which I thought was brilliant. Um, What are some of the other ones? And Uh,
1: when you're doing these, I mean, did you really have any knowledge of, like, the actual you know, the the product itself, you know, the widget, so to speak, like, did you get into that side of it? Or were you more on that organizational and that structure um, for the startup?
2: You know, there's a, this is where you really do need to know your lane, right? I think that's an s- analogy, swim in your own lane. Yeah. Um, and actually, it, Minnie's a great one, Minnie Sarwal, because um, she was a, she did surgery and did kidney replacements for children, right? So she was a scientist. She was a surgeon, but she had developed this technology and it was brilliant. She was not a business person, but I was. And so we kind of came in and had that opportunity to be able, but we would dabble, like she would be in board meetings. She was a founder. um, And whenever she'd really want to get deep into something, I'd say to her, "Uh, I can't do surgery. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you need to let me do this, right? right? So we had a real respect for each other's lanes, which was really important. Um, well, I mean, think
1: you see that a lot in startups too. You have, you know, a brilliant mind and, you know, whatever that widget is, like they created this this great thing, but a lot of times they don't have those business skills needed to take it to the next level.
2: Yeah, so uh, another guess. another great one just recently, and that was actually my last one before founding... Before really kicking into play, on um, was a company uh, called IL2RX, which is Interleukin 2. <laughs> it's a science name. Uh, I've come to learn that if you let the scientists or the engineers name the company, it um, <laughs> could be a little challenging for other people to understand what the product is. In fact, TiVo's original name was not TiVo, no? it was Teleworld.
1: Oh, yeah. TiVo's much better.
2: Yeah, and it was really hard for people to pronounce. Anyways, but yeah, whatever. Like I said, it's always a starting point. It can always be changed. Um, But the most recent one, again, was another startup out of Stanford. Um, I did do startups out of Berkeley too, just to uh, say that I did do one out of Berkeley. Yeah, Yeah, Berkeley, we did one uh, for um, a protein that could bind oxygen, and it was a co-therapy for radiation and cancer tumors it was a really good idea um when i left that uh we this the ceo who had prior to that stage i'd been with him for about 18 months he, we finally raised enough money that he could come over full time and that was really important and that company actually was doing really well um until just recently when it seemed like there seemed to be a lot of infighting uh in the like i said team and people matter mm-hmm. um, Anyway, I don't really know what happened because I was out the door by that stage, and that's not fair for me to comment without really knowing. The one out of Stanford was actually in regards to autoimmune disease. And uh, this was brilliant. They had this brilliant um, scientist who came up with this idea that every single autoimmune disease, whether it's rheumatoid arthritis, um, type 1 diabetes, um, there's lots of them because they all, I mean, there's, hundreds of autoimmune diseases <clears throat> and that all those autoimmune diseases had a very similar issue in that they, they all had this uh, signature that showed that they had a signaling defect within the T regulatory cells. Now I'm kind of getting into science here, but what, what, it, what it basically said was we recognize that there's a gap that can be fixed And so they actually came up with a solution to fix that gap in the signaling so that people that had uh, autoimmune disease could not only, not only would it, because autoimmune gets worse and worse and worse and worse over time. And that's usually what ends up killing people is your body's attacking itself, but it would not only slow it, but sometimes it even stopped it and reversed it. Uh, And I got involved when it was still just an idea and needed to be tested. So we spun that out of Stanford, we took it down into the San Jose area, and we started testing it and doing all of these things. And of course, science is very regulated, so you have to follow all these rules. And that was brilliant. Um, that was co-founded by two amazing scientists. One of them is Dr. Gary Fathman, who was the head of the immunology department at Stanford. And I know that they're still working on it. So, you know, bravo to them.
1: Nice. Yeah, I mean, that's some some great stuff. Like, how did you get from you know, those startups to play on? How did that all come about?
2: Okay, so this is where it's a, it's a little bit of a, a difference because all those other ones, I was either brought in or introduced or, or you know, recruited to be on those teams. This one's personal.
1: <laughs>
2: it's your baby. <laughs> so it's, well, yeah, but it's also a very personal problem. <clears throat> As you can see, I'm a, I'm a very sports-oriented person. Um, I played in high school and college. I played. I was a multi-sport athlete in college. I played basketball. I crewed on the rowing team. Even today, I'm a weekend warrior when it comes to sports. I play tennis. I haven't played basketball in a while, but I still play basketball. I play softball and soccer and you name it, scuba dive, horseback ride. But this one happened actually uh, from a very real situation where my daughter, who at that time had just joined the Palo Alto Midnight Basketball Club, and they, um, the head coach asked me if I would get some help to, uh, the, you know, everyday operation stuff. And, uh, he was a great basketball coach. It was a great club, very good basketball, but they were super disorganized. In fact, I, when I, when I came to realize, oh my God, this whole thing is run on paper. <laughs> I was just like, this can't be real. You know, now granted they there's coaches that they're not administrative people, operational people. And I said, "Well, this has got to be fixed. there was one spreadsheet, and it had everybody's email in it. Um, even people that didn't belong anymore. But uh, so I said, well, let's let's fix this." And uh, I looked actually for a solution online. my first my first go-to was, look, I've used software for organizing the teams my kids played on, right? So I used a team software. Uh, that would allow uh, communications to happen between the coach and the parents. But this was different because this was about a program that needed to have registrations and payments. The kids were typically old enough to have their own phones. Uh, We were doing training and camps. It wasn't about a singular team communications. It was more like a program-wide communications and then specific groupings that you need to communicate with. And there was a financial commerce side of it too now, because people are paying to be part of this experience. And uh, like I said, I did my research and there was nothing out there. It was either just team oriented, which is a big mistake, or it was a website maker. And you could always tell the website makers because you go to their website and it would say, you know, great, give us your information and we'll call you. And you're like, "Uh, no, I need it now. It's 11 o'clock at night. I need it now. I I need it. I need it what we call real time. Yep. And um, and that was where my my spidey senses kicked in, right? I'm like, this Uh-oh. this is an <laughs> Here unmet. <we> go again. <laughs> this is an unmet need. And I said, you know, how hard would it be to create something like this? And my my husband, amazing guy. He basically said, I'm so tired of you spending hours sifting through emails at, at, you know, 11 o'clock on a Saturday night just to hold this program. I'll put money into it, like just fix it. (laughs) Um, And uh, so I'm like, great, got you on that one. Give me the check. So um, that's what I did. And we, we, you know, I hired some engineers, some local kids, actually, they were still students at Stanford, and I, I hired them to start to create a prototype. And we started to say, okay, what's the problem? By the way, that's a really hard thing to do. It's really hard to put your finger on what the problem is. And um, But we did eventually over time. And again, this was just a kind of a side gig for me because I was still working. I was still running company. So this was a side gig. But I was dedicated to figuring out how do you solve this problem? Eventually, with great UX, UI people involved, we decided that the problem lay with the person who makes a choice to organize something. And it's, that could be a head coach. It could be a volunteer manager. It could be whatever it is, athletic director, but they have to manage something and then they have to run the program, right? So they have to get everybody to sign up and pay or just sign up, whatever. And then they need to communicate and they need to put out schedules and they need everybody to buy the right uniform or gear, whatever it's going to be. And we're like, Let's focus on that person's problem. So that's the organizer. These were young people that were helping me organize this software design and this software build. And the first thing they said to me is, well, why don't you make this an interest network? Like what Spotify does for music or LinkedIn does for careers, make a network so that people can communicate and do commerce with inside that interest community. And I'm like, all right, let's do that. So that's why PlayOn is really different than most you know, SaaS platforms. <clears throat> we have a product that not only allows people to connect and follow, but and it gives the organizer everything that they need, but the end user also has their own dashboard now, which is really important because when I'm 16 playing soccer, I also play basketball or volleyball. So I just want one software that brings everything together. I now have a profile and, you know, that profile has a showcase where I can show you off my trophies or my achievements and awards, and they're not written down in words, they're photos and they're videos. And then as I get older and I go off to college, now I have that profile and my connection with all my teammates. So competition, camaraderie, community, all play into play on. So when you ask me about why did we start it whatever, it was a really personal issue but now we're a much bigger team. By, by the way, ons live. Uh, anybody can use it. It is, as we said, the biggest issue was just being able to get something that was really easy to use. Because, again, people that are using it, they're busy. And we just want to give them something simple and easy to use. So it has to be easy to use. It has to be affordable. So we made it very affordable. It's free to use, in fact. So that's pretty affordable. Um, and it had to be turnkey instant and those qualifying factors are what play on is today and oh my god we have we have we have all the standard sports we have soccer basketball you know volleyball cricket football all the standard ones that you could imagine but then we have a lot of ones that you're like oh because remember this isn't just for youth sports this is also for adult sports so we have adult hockey we have chess clubs we have cornhole um we have, um, hacky sack competitions. We have camps, we have book clubs,
1: wow. everything.
2: <laughs> yeah. Everything and everything. And we're just like, awesome.
1: So how long did it take from the time that you, you know, your, your husband gave you the blessing to, to, to move forward? <laughs> um, like how long from that point till you had a working prototype? <laughs>
2: If you go into my records and when we decided to name the company, I think that was back in 2015, right? I think the idea actually came in 2014, but it wasn't until 2015 that I actually hired somebody because I was still just playing around with the idea. But um, actually, of course, hiring takes forever too. Um, And it's, um, you know, the great thing about today's side gig economy, which I just love, is you can do things in small bites before it was kind of like here's the elephant fund the elephant now (laughs) eat the elephant right and nowadays it's like no take one bite and that's all you need so you can do things in these really small sprints without having to spend or raise or spend a lot of money you can do things in really small bite-sized ways that verify that you have a customer and this is why We started in 2015, but I'd say it wasn't until 2018 where the spaghetti stuck on the wall. I mean, we just kept throwing it on the wall and, and you gotta, you gotta be open to hearing your baby is ugly. Boy, did I hear a lot of that at the beginning.
1: (laughs) I like that. That's good. You're right though. But I mean, think about this. I mean, from that 2014 to 15, um, What was in your mind then to what your product is now, I'm sure is probably a lot different.
2: Yeah, it is. This is where you don't know what you don't know, right? Right. Back then, I was creating a solution, and I always loved this. I think it was a marketing guy that said, your solution shouldn't be the end user's problem, right? So just creating ease of use. I didn't realize how important user experience, user interface is to a product. Anybody, for the most part, can build back-end software technology, but the design of the interface is so important. And in fact, if you go on to review sites, that's the number one thing people will say. They'll say, play on so easy to use. It has the best interface. Um, that, that That is really important to us. What I also didn't know back then was how important people are. I mean, I know that that sounds so trivial, but people want to get involved, but they don't know how they're going to do it. And even for myself, it's about admitting that you can't do everything. So for example, I knew that once the spaghetti stuck to the wall, what's next is called growth, right? Once you have a minimum viable product and you have a good market fit and all those different things, if you actually want to go out and raise money and build a team, you need, to have a growth plan, a growth strategy. And I'm like, yeah, grow. And they're like, yeah, but what does that mean? And I'm like, so again, you don't know what you don't know. And that's where, um, you know, really putting an effort into understanding and asking people, which a lot of us athletes tend not to do. We don't just like, I'm just going to get this done. I'm just going to, you know, muscle it Mm -hmm. out. I'm just going to get it done. But it's really about asking people and finding out, hey, if I want to grow this company, what are the best practices? What What book would you recommend? What What videos should I? Th-? And it's really about reading and reaching out to people. And I did. And I've, I'm really glad I was forced into doing that. Um, my board came back to me and I said, well, we're going to move into growth strategy period. They're like, okay, we want you to bring somebody onto the board that is a growth expert. And the way you're going to do that is go out and ask everybody that you know, who's the best person that could understand growth of a software and all those different things. And so I did, I just went out and started asking people. And again, I think it was, I don't know if you know who David Meltzer is. He always says the best way to get somewhere is to ask directions. And uh, so I did. And um, I was, I'm really grateful for that because now I have a growth strategy and because the only reason people don't use play on is that they don't even know we exist. And so you don't want to just throw money at the problem either, because that doesn't give you a very good return. And then you have a really high customer acquisition cost, and then nobody wants to be a part of it. And so we did, we came up with this really great idea. And for me, I look at it now and I go, well, of course, but back (laughs) then I knew nothing.
1: So what is your, what is the strategy to, you know, get that awareness with people? you know
2: how you attend that now yeah well that that's the uh question of whether i've got a strategy um the question is whether or not it actually pans out so we've the first thing is is of course bringing in people that know what they're doing so we did we actually formed a very small team um that's all you need by the way you don't need big big teams you just need a small team and you need to be able to start to uh test things now again i'm gonna bring my husband into this um he is a data scientist. In fact, he's a professor of economics who focuses on data. And so he believes that you do data-driven decisions. So again, I do actually listen to my husband, <laughs> um, although he'd say I don't. But um, let's just pretend that he's also just a really good advisor. Right. And I really respected that. He was advising me to say, look at the data. So we started by saying, okay, who does this benefit? What do they look like? We always knew who our customer was, but we want to focus on the people that need us the most. And we started focusing on who they were, where do they exist, where do they live, what do they eat, what are their interests, all those different things, and then how do we reach them? One of the things about PlayOn that I'm really proud about, our whole culture at PlayOn, is that we are about inclusiveness um, and about supporting people to be the best that they are, whether they're organizers or whether they're athletes. Our whole culture of our software is to be helpful. And when um, when we were sort of thinking, well, well, how do we reach these people? We said, well, let's create ways of helping them and and saying, well, here we're going to give you a, you know uh, information on how to run a really profitable. Sp- successful sports program. And so we started to develop some webinars and it's all actually falling under something called Play On Nation. And Play On Nation is being part of something um, that is about a movement towards being in this community of people that believe in lifetime sports for the benefit of sports, for the game, for the community, for the camaraderie and uh, that's what we're doing. It's this whole strategy. So I'm focusing on customer growth. That's number one, right? And how do we reach those people? And I've got a team of people. They treat it like a science, right? Let's spend, let's focus, let's create some content and then put it into this, uh, whether it's social media or a website or whatever like that. Let's put it in there and let's see who reacts with it. Once we figure out who reacts with it, we're like, Oh, they actually, like our product. They're using our product now. So then we say, let's find more people like that and let them know we're here for you. Like we got a product. It's free. It's all those different things. You come use it. And that's been, it's only been one month and so far it's been really successful. So that's number one of our growth strategies. Number two of our growth strategies is to really think about um, how do we bring more partnerships into play on that benefit our customers, whether they're the organizer or whether they're the participant. And that is the industry of people that sell services and products. Like even your provider today, I'm like, oh, I need to reach out to them. <laughs> right? Because what we do is the organizer comes on, they have a dashboard. So let's just say, Andrew, I said, I'm going to task you. We're going to get together a virtual basketball league for, I don't know, we'll play it on PlayStation or something like that. Right. And you're in charge of getting ready to sign up and register. So you're going to use PlayOn for that. Really easy way to set up a registration page. It's almost like event pages, a landing page. People just register in one, two, click of a button, they're done. Now you have all that information in your database inside PlayOn. Now you communicate with them. You put them onto different rosters, different teams, whatever it is, groupings. And then you communicate to those teams. The end users have their own way of coming in. If we were live and real... One of the next things that you're going to be tasked is, okay, I need everybody to buy uniforms or swag or whatever it is. And we're like, okay. So we went off and we partnered with a third-party provider. And so we launched at the end of December something called gear by play on. And that's a way for the organizer to set up a gear store which immediately has their colors and their logos and their tag names. And immediately the end users can go in and buy it and select the sizes and buy all sorts of different things. And it's sent directly to their house. And if they need to do a return, it's all done with them. The organizer focuses on their job. The end user focuses on getting the product. That's a partnership that we did for the benefit of our users. We actually are about to launch one, which is really big. We're really excited about it. And it's called Train. By Play On. And this is a virtual training platform for the organizer. They go on and they can create a series of curriculums that include videos and links and information and various things like that. Whether they upload the videos or they use other people's videos, doesn't matter. But they click that, that curriculum on there. The end user uses their phone. It's an app called Train By Play On. I'm not sure it's released yet. I think it's the end of this week. Um, they can download the app. And then when they download the app, they now can use this app as an end user to be able to go through the curriculum. And this is this concept of synchronous, asynchronous learning that we've all come to appreciate over this last year. Because, well, one of the things, and good news, bad news, is that all learning went online. But that's actually good news for a lot of young people who don't like to get out of bed before noon and their coach is calling a practice at 6 a.m. in the morning. Well, now they can do all of their asynchronous learning individually. They come together in a synchronous meeting where the coach is either doing a one-on-one or a group training, and he can actually see them and say, well, actually, get your elbow in just a little bit more. Or maybe the student has uploaded a video. So all of that, we partnered with a third party to create that software. And the organizer has a dashboard. The end user has an app. It's beautiful. So nice. we are going to continue doing things like that. We're going to continue to integrate into play on third party solutions to be able to offer our customer base more stuff that they would want to be able to do in their operations.
1: Wow. That's impressive. Is, is the platform, um, all web-based? Is there an app with it? What's the makeup look like? So
2: when we built this, um, again, A new generation of uh, engineers said the problem with apps is you got to constantly, if you want to do a big change, you you have to redo the app and there's another hundred thousand dollars. You know, nowadays that's not how much it costs, but it's just a pain to have everything synced all the time. And the other thing is, is that we realize is that remember plans worldwide. We have people using it from all over the world, Australia, um, Nigeria. I mean, you, you name it. Most of them are in the United States and Canada, but we have them everywhere, but not everybody has a smartphone with amazing space. So what you wanted it to be was seamless so that if, if I, people follow links. So your coach says, register, you follow that link. You don't say, "Hmm, I think I'll register for something today. I'm going to go to Eventbrite and look around. You don't do that you follow links. Even if it's a search, you follow links. So you get this thing, you link, you go to it. We wanted that to be seamless. So we built something called web responsive and it allows people what, it doesn't matter if they're on a phone, it doesn't matter if they're on a computer, they get the same experience, but they have it. So we always build, when we build our product, we build in what's called mobile first. So everything has to look good on a phone. And it looks, and if you're like me and you'd prefer to be sitting at a desk to do your, what we call lean forward work, right? Like you're organizing, but when you're on your phone, you tend to be leaning back. So, um, by the way, we used to use that in TiVo all the time, the lean forward, lean back. Um, so it again, it's a, it's a way to think about it as there's no app that you need to download. It's seamless. One of the things that a lot of people are like, well, but we want a button, Right, We're like, ah, that's really easy to do because what we do actually is we actually show them how they can use their logo to create an app on anybody's phone to be able to say, uh, what time is practice? Oh, there's my app icon. Click, boom, go, go right, right to the landing page of that organization.
1: Nice.
2: So it is a way to think about it in a different way. Um, we have actually internally been talking about creating an app um, for the play on world, because there are just some people that still are like, can I download an app? And we're like, okay, okay, we'll give you an yeah, app. You that
1: pad, <laughs> but I, I do like what you're saying too. And, and, you know, being web-based like that, I mean, you can make additions whenever, you know, you, can. you, you feel like it.
2: So, yeah. And, uh, and that's really, you know, software is never done if you're doing it right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or you'll get passed up. That's for sure. No, that's good. I mean, I think, you know, my background, I've I've always kind of owned, you know, smaller minor league, you know, professional sports teams. I mean, even um, with those teams, I could see some value in, you know, play on, you know, from, yeah. just, you know, a management, you know, standpoint. Um,
2: well, think about this, like a lot of those sites typically have their own websites, but which, by the way, a lot of people do which is fine. You know, somebody's gotten creative and created a Wix website or something like that. Um, if you don't have your own website, PlayOn gives you that. but And again, for free. I want to make sure that people realize we're not trying to upsell them on all those things. Um, but if you have your own website, the beauty of PlayOn is, is that we give you the code or the link so that when you want to put in a registration, you just put in that code. When people click on register here, it opens up something that is... is aesthetically just plain. So then you register, you go through the form, you register, you buy your tickets, you do whatever. And then we have a redirect. So then it goes right back to the page that they were on.
1: Nobody realizes they were even really off the the team site. or or That's right, which is
2: really nice. Uh, And I think that, again, we wanted to make sure we were supporting that what they're doing.
1: So what's kind of been some of the biggest challenges with, you know, getting play on off the ground.
2: <laughs> Sometimes, especially these, uh, the I love the energy that our youngsters had when I first had them join us, <laughs> but they were all about, let's create this thing And um, I'll tell you a funny little story. So I was, um, and let me just sort of premise it by saying this. It, my biggest challenge was at the beginning was having, people catch up to the technology we wanted to deliver to them. Remember, this is about what you want to build versus what. Don't let your solution be their problem. So we went to a trade show. This is really early days. And it was down in San Diego. And a good friend of mine, who's the son of a famous basketball player, uh, said, oh, I'll come and help you at that. I want to go and, and meet all these athletic directors of California anyway. So we went down there and we had this booth right? This was, we didn't even have an app. Like we just had this idea that like, let's build something. And so we had a bunch of screenshots this is a feedback opportunity. So we went down there and we had these, um, I don't know if you can see that, but it's just like a little cell phone holder. Like you can, you can put your cell phone in it. Right. And on the front of it, it says, be awesome. Play on. Right anyways and so we went down there and we were talking to a bunch of the athletic directors again this was school-based right athletic directors and we were talking to them about what play on is and they're like i don't understand what is it and we're like and again we still didn't know how to talk about what we were doing at that time we're like well it's a way to i don't even connect with your parents and stuff of which by the way most athletic directors are like that's the last thing i need yeah Um, i'm not talking (laughs) about (laughs) <laughs> right because they what they really want to be able to do is just do their job and not have to deal with the politics of the team or something like that, but anyway, some of them got interested, and they're like, "Well, what are those blue things down there what 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 do I use that for?" And I'm like, "Oh, that's for your cell phone to sit in so that you can um put that on your desk, and they're like, oh will that will that work with my flip phone and I'm like." <laughs> <laughs> okay, we got a problem. Houston, we have a problem. they (laughs) They were still using flip phones. And we were like, oh my God, we've built something for the next generation. But the current generation in charge, is using a flip phone. So that to me was the biggest challenge. And it sent us right back to the drawing board to say, what happens if they don't have a phone that's a smartphone? So that was a really important thing for us to realize is that you have to have layered technology. So whether the person has a flip phone or the person has a high end computer built into their glasses, it doesn't it has to work with everything. And that's what we did. You know, one of the things we also said is that um, some people call us a social media platform. Because there is this ability to post things and have people come follow you and you can share it and stuff like that. And I said, but sports is social. Like by its very nature, it's social. And so be it if we are social. But I also know that people like to, they have their social media platforms and whether that's Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. So that was one of the things we built into it, knowing that our customer base wasn't just going to all of a sudden switch to play on. So we said, Let's just let people post and play on and then push to Facebook. So if I create a registration and play on, which is where all my administration, I just push it to Facebook now. And then it shows up my on my Facebook page and then everybody shares it and stuff. But it's still when they hit register, it just still goes back to that registration yeah. form. Yeah.
1: No, I think that's I think that's great. Great tool. What's the uh, website for people to go find it?
2: www of course. .playon.com. and that's with two y's by the way. p l a y y o n.com
1: How'd you come up with that?
2: Well, here's a fun story. So I told you I'm a soccer player, right? And I always love it when people take a dive. I think it's I think it's creative. Creative timeouts. And <laughs> um, but I also really love it when the ref goes play on. Like, you know, he just like, like, I'm ignoring you. Just play on. <laughs> That's a creative story. The true story is, is that the guy who owned play on with one Y wouldn't sell it to me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, it, I like the story. It sounds great. I'm going to get on there and check it out too. Just, um, yeah,
2: Andrew, no. well, thank you. And, you know, um, let, your, let all of your viewers know that um, I am on LinkedIn. Um, I'm a true believer in helping each other. So, uh, if people ever have something that I can support them with in in their search for a, a new company, I'd be happy to point them in the right direction. And of course, anybody that wants to try out play on it's free. Um happy to have them join us. And there's a blue bubble when you join, when you get on play on, there's a blue bubble at the bottom there. And we have a whole customer success team that is ready to help them.
1: No, that's great. That's great. We'll have to have you back on sometime. Um, We do like some live demos, which is kind of cool just to kind of walk, walk people through. Um, So that might be something cool to check out sometime, but I want to thank you for joining me today. It was great to kind of hear your story and, and learn more about your company. I can't wait to see it more.
2: Thank you, Andrew. And again, thanks so much for uh, having me on your show. You do great stuff. And um, again, a shout out to Live Source with their online auctions and raffles. Um, Thank you for supporting Andrew and his team.
1: Appreciate it.